Hello, and welcome to Thriving on the Prairie, a podcast exploring issues concerning families and communities that inspires North Dakota movers, shakers, and community difference makers to engage in lifelong learning. I'm Jan Stankowitz, Community Health and Nutrition Specialist with NDSU Extension, and I'm so excited to have a few guests on today. Farmers markets are an integral part of local food systems and economies across the state. With the short growing season here in North Dakota, people are always on the lookout for those canopies and truck beds set up in parks or green spaces or parking lots or on the side of the road. Today, I'm chatting with market managers of two farmers markets, Sue Balcom with Bismarck Farmers Market and Heidi Ziegenmeyer and Jessica Fish with Spirit Lake Mobile Farmers Market. So let's just go ahead and jump right in. We'll start with Sue. So thanks so much for joining me on the podcast. I'm so glad you're here today. I'm delighted to be asked to be with you, Jan. (laughs) This is great, Sue. I can just, I'm just so excited for our conversation. Um, So let's start with a little bit of background um, for you and you in regards to the Bismarck Farmers Market. Where does all this start? I know you've been involved in local foods and farmers markets for quite some time. Um, But just tell us a little bit about how it started for you. Boy, you're not going to like this because my history goes back a long ways. You know, sometimes you forget how old you are and how long you've been on the planet. But when I started in local foods officially, I didn't even know it was called local foods. And it was about 2008 when I got a job at the ag department as the local foods marketing specialist. But the only qualification I think I have for any of the work that I've been doing since then, including the farmer's markets, is that I have lived a local economy. I grew up in a local economy. If it wouldn't have been for gardening when we lived in Fredonia, we would have probably had a very limited diet. But my mom was an avid gardener. My memories start way back then. And so when I found out that people were didn't know where a potato came from or didn't know how to garden or can. I was like, what do you mean? Like, this is craziness. And so getting started in the local foods movement in North Dakota was really exciting. And I remember Roger Johnson, who was the ag commissioner at the time, he said to me, you don't really think Sue's going to get these people to start canning, do you? And look at what's (sighs) happened since then. It's really taken off. And so about, oh, I'd say maybe seven years ago, I did research for a book on the German Russian food culture, because I really wanted to know how people gardened, canned, preserved, butchered, stored meat without electricity. Like, how do you bake bread with cow pies? You know, like, how do you regulate an oven? Um, Where do you keep your meat in the wintertime? Like, these were questions I really wanted to know. And in the course of all of this research, now everybody wants to know the answers to these questions. So one of the parts of that whole scenario with the books that I did was the everlasting yeast, which is actually a sourdough starter. And all the ladies had one in their root cellar. Mm. So I thought, oh, this is so fascinating to me. I think I'm gonna start baking bread. And so I started my culture back then. And then I ran into somebody named Diane Schmidt, who had been doing farmers markets in Mandan. I was one of her customers for 40 years. And she encouraged me to join the farmers market. And I did. And of course, 
the rest is history because I've been a street vendor for many years as an artist and this fell right into my the way I wanted to live my life and how I wanted to make money. And so when our markets kind of like grew and split, I became the market manager for Bismarck Farmers Market. And let me tell you, that's been a real learning experience. (laughs) I can imagine. I really like how you talk about like the different worlds. You know, you live in a world or were raised in a world where local foods wasn't even a term because it was just your lived experience and then being exposed to or having insight into other people's worlds where it's a completely different experience. So I just really like that you can, you know, local foods allows us to kind of step in and out of that or, or see different ways of, of living and experiences. That's really interesting. So Bismarck Farmers Market, that is, of course, in Bismarck. Um, tell us a little bit about your role as a market manager, because I think maybe um, maybe some people don't know all of the work that it takes to get market set up on market day. Heck, I probably wouldn't have taken this job had I known how much work it was. All right. Oh, First man. of all, you really we're really um, strict. I hate using that word, but we're we're really committed to being a farmer's market. So Mm -hmm. one of the things that we require is that the people are actually growing their own vegetables. We don't do any resale. So in order to ensure that we can maintain the integrity of the market, we set ourselves up as a nonprofit corporation each, uh, and that requires paperwork. Lots of paperwork. Lots of paperwork and annual paperwork too. It didn't just stop there. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So we file every year with the Secretary of State's office under our our official name, Bismarck Farmers Market. And of course, we are insured because nowadays you can't do anything without insurance. So as a market, we have insured all of our vendors while they're on the property selling, Um, finding a place to have a market is sometimes a challenge. You know, we, we have um, such a following now that the parking issue is, is almost overwhelming. Like all of the people that are coming to visit the market, Mm -hmm. but you know, on a daily basis, I get phone calls inquiring when the market is, I have to do the website updates. I do a, a Facebook page. We do Facebook posts all the time, not just on Saturdays. Our market runs four days a week. So we're doing promos all the time. Um, and then, of course, people want to join the market. So who do they call? The market manager. And anytime anybody even has questions about where to park, they call the market manager. And I'm like, leave me alone. I'm trying to market my own stuff. Okay. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> but, man. You know, there's, there's bookkeeping. You know, you have to keep track of people. You have to keep track of their membership dollars. You have to um, be responsible to them. So you have meetings and you report to them what you've done with their dollars and what benefit they're getting but farmers are independent thinkers so sometimes I think even the vendors aren't cognizant of what a market manager is doing for them behind the scenes Mm -hmm. right and that is that's something to um, also kind of make note of is that farmers markets operate very differently so Bismarck farmers markets sounds like you guys are very Um, set up. And like you said, committed, that's a good word, committed to operating and having integrity around your products and your vendors. Um, But there is differences across markets too. Other markets are more open or more 
um, forgiving or loose on their like rules or regulations or anything. So um, just for, you know, shoppers or customers, it's just interesting to see the differences in how markets are operating too. I kind of have a theory about that. And that is that I think sometimes people don't take us seriously. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think sometimes they think that this is people that garden and they got excess produce and they're just bringing it to market to get rid of the excess. And that's not the case with our market. We vet our vendors to make sure that they are semi, if not fully serious about becoming a business. I know, I know that our market has been going, the vendors in our market range from age 12 to 97 and they, um, they, yeah, they file their taxes under farm taxes. You know, it's, it's a business for us. It's not just a sideline. And so part of keeping that integrity is ensuring that we have people that are really serious about this, because I would certainly like to see people be able to make a living doing this and not just have to work off the farm like I do for health insurance or whatever, you know? Mm -hmm. Right. It's not just a hobby kind of a thing um, just in somebody's backyard and off a whim, somebody wants to go to the farmer's market on Saturday, right? It's a well thought out, well-oiled machine kind of a thing. I wouldn't go so far as to say I was well-oiled, but (laughs) the squeaky wheel gets the grease. (laughs) Well, and again, you know, from like those external perceptions, like from the outside, it looks like you guys are a well-oiled machine. So you're clearly doing something right, Sue. Right. And people don't understand truly how hard our vendors work. We have people that are there four days a week. Now, Mm -hmm. in addition to planting that garden, you know, they're getting up at the butt crack of dawn and they're picking vegetables, they're washing and bagging, and then they go to the market for four, six or eight hours. And then the next day they're back to picking again because we do markets Tuesdays, Thursdays, Saturdays and Sundays. It's it's a really hard work. And we have aging vendors. I'm sorry to say I'm in that category also, but we need to, we really need to start um, mentoring. We really need to start mentoring new vendors. And that Mm -hmm. is part of my goal is to give generously. And, you know, when somebody comes by and asks us how we do things or where to buy bags or where's the best deal on a canopy, we are more than willing to help them along so that we have more vendors. And we've had, I've had a lot of fun this year with a couple of young ladies that have joined our market. And, you know, it's a little slow starting, but like I said, when you have kids and things, it's, it's really a lot of work. It is. Yeah. And I like the, you know, creating that culture of, you know, generosity and, you know, thinking of the next generation or succession, you know, those kinds of things where, I think sometimes, you know, in the business world, in, you know, economics, it's kind of, you think of a competitive nature um, where, you know, like you can only have one type of vendor or the more vendors, the, you know, like the, the smaller market you're going to have, but it really isn't like a truly competitive thing. It's like, it's a little bit more synergistic than I think that people might might realize. Right. But how do you explain that to the vendors? It's counterintuitive to not allow right. people into your market because they bring people and then those people bring people. And then, okay, so here's a prime example. When I did art shows, I did very high end 
hand-woven garments, like $400 to $800 jackets. And when I was the only person there, I was the only person they could compare my product to. So then they couldn't make up their minds as easily as if there were five weavers there. They could go around, speak to each one of them and say, you know, this is the person I really like their um, soul or I really like, you know, their artist statement or whatever. And it's easier then for the next time you're there, more people will come because they're like, oh, there's like five weavers there. I really love handwoven clothes. I think I'm going to go see what I can find. So when you have one person doing this and one person doing that, there's just not as much comparison going on. And, you know, if they come and they don't like something that one week, they're not going to come back unless they have some choices. Yeah, that's true. That's a really good point, Sue. So thinking about the market this year, so Bismarck Farmers Market this year, it's looked a little bit different than in years past for you guys, Um, specifically um, becoming SNAP authorized, which is a huge deal. Oh my gosh. And <laughs> Had I known that, I might have not gone through with it. <laughs> I know. Don't make me regret inviting you here, Sue. I'm just kidding. Just totally kidding. Oh my gosh. So let's talk about Snap and Double Up Dakota. All right. And you know, really on that point there, it, it seems overwhelming at first and it was a little frustrating because they're, it's a federal program. And so there were some hoops jumping that we had Mm -hmm. to do. But you know what? It's gotten so much easier and I understand it now. And so I'm working with the individual vendors to help them try and understand a little better the importance of what we're doing here. Yeah. And that's a really good, so let's maybe, I'm going to take it one step back. And so just let people know what SNAP is. So SNAP is Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program. It is a USDA program that individuals or families qualify for based on income and other factors. Uh, And it helps, it's, it provides food assistance. So dollars to help food budgets throughout the month. And, um, you know, just as you can go to a grocery store and use your SNAP or EBT card is what they call it. um, You can, a farmer's market can become an authorized retailer to accept SNAP. And like Sue mentioned, there are hoops and there are forms and there are all kinds of things to get farmer's markets equipped to accept SNAP as a form of payment, just as like accepting um, a credit or a debit card. Uh, NDSU Extension had put together this project to help farmers markets become authorized to accept SNAP. And the primary goal was, again, to just increase the number of places where SNAP participants can can buy food. And um, the emphasis on farmers markets was to increase access to local foods. So some grocery stores don't carry very many or no local foods at all. And so SNAP participants can now um, choose if they, if they wish to shop at farmer's market that become SNAP authorized. So Sue worked with the Bismarck farmer's market and is now SNAP authorized. Ta-da! And I would have never even thought of it. It hadn't been for extensions assistance. 
um, just even being there to ask questions was huge because I had, I don't know, had a little trouble there at the start getting authorized. But now that everything falls in place, this falls totally in line with building your farmer's markets. Because if I remember correctly, this program began a long time ago, many years ago, as a way to support local farm businesses. That right. was part of this was to purchase food from farmers. Because if if all the farmers disappear, everyone's going to have to dig up their backyard because it's going to be kind of hard to find fruits and vegetables in particular. Local, right. Just think of how um, much more you can, how much more business this will generate in a farmer's market. Plus, we're educating people about how to use local food where um, they're getting it's healthier you know they're getting a really fresh product if they're coming to the market and we've had not a great run but we've had more people than I thought coming yeah. to the market with their EBT cards and I'm like so excited I'm like thank you guys for coming this is so awesome and then they're really delighted because of the double up program that was like a fringe benefit for all of us yeah. Yeah. So the double up program is, you know, um, an additional source of funding. So they call it a nutrition incentive program. So for every snap dollar that is used to purchase any snap eligible food at the market, the, those snap participants and folks who use their EBT card are then given a dollar for dollar match on that snap purchase up to $10 and those double up Dakota, those, those incentives can be used to purchase additional fruits and vegetables. So again, tying back into the access to local foods, the access to healthy, affordable foods, um, that is, those incentives really go a long way. And I really do like, Sue, when you were talking about um, going back to why farmers and farmers markets should or are interested in these kinds of things because those snap dollars there is a lot of funding that goes towards those programs and if farmers markets can tap into even a fraction of those dollars it truly is like an economic stimulus like it will dramatically impact those those dollars or can it can dramatically impact those dollars coming into those farmers markets and directly to the farmers Right. And I think these people, I, at least the customers that we've had, kind of enjoy the alternative to going to a grocery store. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been just surprised, like, okay, this oh, on Saturday, we had a young lady there and her mother and her son, and they came over and she bought, we use tokens at our market. Mm-hmm. So she came and used her EBT card for 20 dollar tokens to buy product. And then I said, but you're going to get these $10 and double up. And she goes, you mean I get to spend $30 at the market? And I said, yes. And so her son, who was probably about four or five years old, was able to select a pumpkin from Mm. one of the vendors with those double up tokens. And he was so proud of that. He carried it out of the market himself and everything. And so all of this ties into the social aspect of farmer's market, which I think dinner, cooking, canning, all this stuff is kind of like a community thing also. 
Yeah, it really is. Those there are, it's personal connections. It's relational. It's more relational than it is transactional. You know, you think about buying food or paying for things or using coupons. That sounds very transactional, but it really is relational and like the social connectedness piece. Those things really do shine through. Right. And people will say all the time, you know, like, I don't know why you work so hard or I don't know why you're standing out here and it's only 30 degrees. Well, every time I get up on a Saturday morning at 5 a.m. and cut flowers in the dark or something, you know, wash pumpkins in the dark. And I'm like, why am I doing this? I'm exhausted. I'm loading up my trailer, driving to the market, thinking I really would like to be home with a cup of coffee. And then that first customer shows up and I'm like, I love this. I love this interaction with people. I love that people love my stuff. Like when they come back and tell me my pickles taste just like their grandmothers, it's just like, yes, I've accomplished something really important in the world today. I know, right? What is it about our grandma's pickles? I have the same feeling. I hope my grandma's watching from heaven and is proud of me. Oh, I know. I know. It really is those stories and connections, those things. It just, it does. It makes it worth it. Even, even in the dark and the mud and in the work. (laughs) I think it's going to rain one of these days on us because as you know, we're moving into winter here, but you know, we hang out until the end of October at our market. um, And we do do four days a week. And when we're, when, you know, they come at eight and they're out of produce, they leave. And for you people who are late risers, you know, you got to get with the program. (laughs) You got to get there early. If you want to be able to have any kind of selection, that's for dang sure. Um, Yeah. So we're, so you four days a week, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, Um, where is Bismarck Farmers Market located, Sue? Oh, we were so absolutely fortunate to have been invited to the new Ace Hardware North, which is on the other side of 43rd Avenue. And for someone who lives in rural Morton County, I was shocked to see what's been going on for development in North Bismarck. It is yes. incredible. And it is so nuts. We were trying to um, get our old customers to recognize that we moved a little bit further north and some of them whined a little bit about it. It has been the best thing ever. Uh, We have a whole new clientele because there's a whole bunch of young families up there. So we're seeing new people. We're on a visible corner so that people can see the canopies and the trailers when we're there. And it's ended up being just a totally awesome thing because moving um, any kind of market is a scary thing. It is. Yeah. But I, I, in my deep down in my heart, I keep thinking how much fun it would be to go back home to my little town of 400 people and have a farmer's market there, you know, talk about a community kind of thing. (laughs) Yeah, right. I know it definitely is a culture. It certainly is. And it's so neat to see. And, you know, like we talked about a little bit earlier, the differences in that. So it would be interesting to see, you know, a farmer's market culture in Bismarck And even the Bismarck Farmer's Market isn't the only farmer's market in Bismarck. And you guys are still thriving and the other markets are doing really well. And so it's just, it is a culture and it's really neat to see how that's kind of ebbing or flowing or shifting. Um, Here's a shift I'd like to see. Sorry to interrupt. No, no. 
one of the things that we're always talking about is wouldn't it be super great if the Bismarck City Commission got together with Burley County Commissioners and created a permanent structure, you know, canopy type thing for all the farmers markets. And we could do this year round. Like whoever had product to sell could come and set up in a little stall. They could be heated or not heated or semi heated. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you could do some solar energy type uh, cover, you know, like I we have this dream about yeah. making this really legitimate. Cause as I mentioned before, I think sometimes people are like, yeah, yeah this isn't really a business. But it is a business and it is a lifestyle for us that I think more people would really like to be able to do and survive. Yeah, you do have big visions, Sue. That's for that's for sure. But right, like how to create something in your community that can sustain things, you know, so it's creating those supports or, or those systems that can bolster it, that can make it, you know, a little bit easier, especially in North Dakota with such um, wicked weather sometimes and the growing season challenges. Um, so if there's ways to make it a little bit more convenient or a little bit easier or those longer into the seasons, um, that's, yeah, th those are exciting things. Right. And then I think the word would spread and more and more people, in, including the SNAP people, who sometimes are, I think, probably don't think about shopping at farmers markets. Well, I shouldn't say that about that because I think there's people all over the city that don't think about shopping at farmers markets. Mm. You know, it's very European to go and buy your loaf of bread and your fresh vegetables weekly instead of annually and then store the stuff, you know, with preservatives in your cupboard. Oh, sorry, my bad. <laughs> Not to insult <laughs> preservatives, but. <laughs> yeah, no, it is. Again, it's, it's a culture. It's a, it's a way of life. Um, Definitely, definitely differences. That's for sure. Um, but going back to that is kind of um, figuring out a way to to kind of bend people towards those shifts. So maybe, maybe I'm a family who goes on a grocery shopping trip once a month, and I get all my stuff at one of the larger chain stores. Um, but if there's ways to bend towards or, you know, like, cause shifting behavior or patterns is hard and it takes a lot of effort and it <laughs> takes a long time. Um, so it's those kinds of things where, you know, the more exposure we have to folks shopping at a farmer's market or even coming to the farmer's market and seeing what's available, seeing, you know, talking with the people who grow the food, who make the food, who bake the things, um, I think that those are the really important pieces where each little exposure, each little instance or circumstance can add up to, you know, longer term behaviors and patterns and those kinds of things. And you want that you want to cultivate, sorry to use that word again, <laughs> you want to cultivate people who are actually doing this. So I, I think there were statistics out there when I was working either at farms or the ag department about if people were just to spend five or $10 a week yeah. at the market, five or $10 of their grocery budget at a market every week, you would be able to support X number of small businesses. And you know what, in light of the pandemic, 
you know, people have all of a sudden panicked a little bit about the empty store shelves and things like that. So I hate to say this, but it took a pandemic to get people to even start thinking about local economies. And I'm not talking just about farmers markets here, but local economies have Mm -hmm. to do with processing too, like meatpacking plants and wash and pack vegetable places, which I think we have none, or small processors like the Amy Amy Gordon place in Grand Forks. You know, there's there's a lot of peripheral businesses that came around the small diversified farms of the past that are no longer here. You know, Mm -hmm. farm stores and like there was a creamery in the town that I grew up in, you know? I mean, there was a meatpacking plant and a creamery and all of these places that played into this local economy, which also equated into security, like food security for the people that lived in the area, which is a critical issue nowadays, because I hate to say this, but nothing breaks my heart more than hearing the statistics on the people, the young kids in North Dakota that go hungry every day. Right. I know it is. There's so many layers in there and it's, it is heartbreaking because North Dakota being an agriculturally based state and we got it going we, on, man, we could take over the industry. If enough of us put our heads together, we have the knowledge and the land right. and the water. Right. And that's the thing too, is it's not like to, to kind of bust, bust the myth of farmers markets being like this elitist kind of environment or climate for folks shopping for food. It's not. And it's certainly more of lots of us doing a little bit, not very few of us doing all of it, you know? So it is those, those $5 purchases, those $10 purchases. It's not that very few of us ever buy all of our grocery needs from a farmer's market. But if lots of us do, you know, again, with those $5 transactions, those $10 transactions, those turn into those big scale changes that we, that we're waiting for. Right. And I'll just keep plugging along with my little voice here, which isn't that little, but, um, Yes. Well, Sue, this has just been a tremendous pleasure. I do appreciate your time. Is there anything else that I didn't cover that you want to be sure to let folks know about? I think we pretty much ran the gambit from back in the day to what my future outcast or my future outlook is for farmers market. So just give us a try, you know, like, don't be timid to ask questions. That's that's what we do. You know, we're in the business of educating people. And I really want to thank you again, because this snap thing, I think can only grow for us. And I would have never done it without your help, Jan. So I really, really, really appreciate the support. And it's been a real pleasure talking with you today. Awesome. That's so great to hear, Sue. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. And now we have Heidi and Jessica joining us from Chandeska Chicana Community College. Welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited that you guys are here today. Thanks. We're really excited too. Awesome. So why don't you guys just take a little bit and tell us like who you are and what you do at Chandeska um, and with the mobile farmers market? Yeah. Okay. So um, as you said, Jen, I'm Heidi Ziggenmeyer, and I am the land grant director at Chandeska Chicana Community College. And Jessica is my assistant land grant director and general right-hand woman. 
um, lady about town. And, <laughs> and um, we do things for the Spirit Lake community. So we are part of Chandeska as the, a 1994 land-grant college. Um, so just like NDSU is an 1862 land-grant and they do things with outreach and extension and, and uh, education. That's the sort of the three pillars, right, of land-grant. Um, and agricultural education and things, we do that as well, but for the tribal community. So Spirit Lake is where we are located uh, in Fort Totten, centered in Fort Totten, North Dakota. And we do things like a community garden. Um, we till gardens for people at their homes on the reservations. We give out seeds and seedlings. We do gardening um, education workshops or even just one-on-one -on -one, like phone calls and messages. Um, we have student interns who are apprentices who learn how to, how to garden, how to operate a tractor, how to run a greenhouse um, and take care of all the plants on campus and grow, um, grow tomatoes from seed, for example. Um, what, what is and is not a weed? Uh, oh my gosh, that's an aphid in the greenhouse. <laughs> Get it, um, kind of a thing. <laughs> so, so that uh, we do all sorts of stuff like that. And uh, boy, we, we try to do all sorts of events throughout the year, um, little nutrition workshops or even like crafting workshops, seasonal things, um, which can be good mental health breaks, you know, and, and just fun to kind of get together and, and breathe a sigh of relief that, uh, you know, we can take a break for a moment. Um, we just did a big Indigenous Peoples Day celebration event on Monday with a keynote speaker and we showed a small film and had a panel discussion. So we do, we try to do a lot of things for the community and, and try to listen to what the community wants and needs. Um, oh, like the corn maze and pumpkin patch or the, or the community garden, those were ideas of um, from community members that, you know, things that they wanted to see like, like outdoor activities for the fall or, or for the summer, depending, you know, for the, the community garden aspect. Um, Cause they're, they're we're, we're very rural, you know, North Dakota is rural. Um, so having activities that things that people can do um, that are healthy and fun and educational, um, like our corn maze last year had Dakota um, cultural and you know, history information um, on signs throughout the maze. So as you went through the maze, you could find these signs and, and learn things about Dakota culture. And it was in the shape of a buffalo, a tatanka, which is a culturally significant um, symbol. So uh, all sorts of fun stuff we try to do to serve the community and the farmer's market to circle back to what we're talking about is one of those things that it ties in well with the community garden and the garden tilling program. Um, it provides a venue for people to, to sell their food, um, or, or, you know, value added products and things, um, to sort of supplement their incomes. Um, Spirit Lake is a, you know, low income, uh, area. And it's also a food desert. So access to local and fresh and healthy food is very limited. There's very few um, access points on the reservation where people have to go over to Devil's Lake. Transportation can be an issue uh, and so on. So providing a market space for you know, local people, like very local on the reservation people who can, um, or where they can sell their their fresh food um, or their, their jams and whatnot, um, keeping that, that, that income in the community and uh, then also giving that, that fresh access, um, fresh food access to, to other local people who might want it without having to travel too far is, is the whole idea. And that's why we're mobile too, um, because I attended a meeting, oh gosh, it was COVID, right? And the pandemic makes time just like not, not even time anymore. Um, but 
so I don't remember when, but, but we had a meeting and the, the tribal chairman at the time or chairperson talked about um, services that are provided to people on the reservation and how it's really important to, to not just, you know, house that service in a building somewhere and expect people on the reservation to come to you because transportation is an issue. Um, they might not know where you are. Uh, if you're not from here, like I'm, I'm not from here, um, but I do love it here and I, I appreciate it here. Um, but I'm not from here. So people don't necessarily know me and automatically know where I'm located. Uh, so to bring the market out to them, to bring it, the idea is to have it at the local rec centers. Um, there's one in each district on the reservation, wellness centers or rec centers. Um, brings it closer to people. Um, some of them are, are quite walkable from some of the areas and, and they could just walk up and, and buy food. So that's the idea behind having it be mobile and rotating through the districts. It does provide some complications in that it's, um, you know, having a market in a different place each week can be confusing, but we try to market very well and have it clear on the signs um, and so on. So this year, though, we had it housed at the college um, as a central location because of, well, COVID and you know, everybody's so busy. I think everybody just understands like, well, everybody's so busy and um, trying to coordinate getting it out at the recs where the, I don't even, I'm not sure if the recs are even open right now. Normally we were trying to um, collaborate with uh, the health clinic because um, they do a mobile foot clinic at the same time. So we were going to do the farmer's market the same day and location and times as the mobile foot clinics um, because they have like diabetes walk-ins. And again, that fresh food aspect is very good to tie into that. Um, but they weren't doing their mobile clinics because of COVID. So it sort of was like, well, let's just do it at the college this year. But in future, that is the plan. Yeah. And I've gone on and on now, Jan. So please ask me another question. Yeah, no, that's all really great information, Heidi. It's just so important to know because oftentimes, and I want to say like in the farmer's market world in North Dakota, but I don't think it's you know, necessarily pertains only to farmer's market worlds. Um, but it's so, it is hard to get that information out. Like we're in it and we think that everybody knows about it or knows how to get the information about it. So having all of that background information, all of that, um, the details just readily available is really nice. And I think, you know, lots of times we, we feel like we're being repetitive or saying too much or something, but you run into people all the time and it's like, I never knew that. And we're thinking, oh my gosh, how, like, how do we need to, how can we get this better? How can we get this message out to more people? Or right. so don't apologize for all the information. It's very interesting. Okay, great. And um, just related to if, if that is something that people um, want to know about, especially on reservations, getting information out to people, word of mouth is of course huge. But um, partnering with people is is a big deal um, because there'll be longstanding like special diabetes program or um, food distribution or these, there are these longstanding kind of institutions that work with um, people on the reservation that you want to reach. And so partnering with them, including them, if they want to have like a booth at your market um, and then they'll market for you, too. Right. And then like our reservation has a radio station run by the tribe. And so you can record, they let you for free. You just record a little PSA and, and they'll play it for you as many times, you know, as they are able um, on the radio. And so that was another way that we got our information out in the past. So just, um, yeah, keep your eyes out for, for partners and different ways that people get their information. I think it's a little different sometimes on a reservation or in really rural areas. Um, that it's not necessarily like TikTok. I mean, the young people sure TikTok, you know, I'm sure 
but like, I'm sorry, I'm not even on, I'm not on TikTok. I'm not marketing farmers market on TikTok, but um, maybe in the future, you know, I'm not. I know we can only hope that we can be that hip or something. Yes. I I, I wish I were that hip. I'm in my thirties. I am not hip anymore. Um, But (laughs) Like, I don't know, all the slang these days, ratchet and that, but it's like, even that's old, right? Like that's an old word. I don't, I don't know what the new word is for, for that anymore, but, um, you know, what's cool. I, I, I say cool and that's probably not the word anymore, but again, off topic, but fun, yeah. <laughs> fun to talk about. Um, right. yeah, but so you got to think about your audience back to that, thinking about your mm-hmm. audience and, and how they get their information. And here we have learned, word of mouth, um, getting some key people in the community who, who just know a lot of people and are willing to be kind of like a champion for you is big. Um, we had with farms, um, last year, F-A-R-R-M-S. That's one of our partners, um, with Stephanie Bloomhagen and them, and they're great. And they provided us with uh, an intern for the farmer's market last year and this year as well, or funded one that we hired locally. And, our intern last year was a local person and she was just fantastic. She knows everybody. And so she was like sharing it on her Facebook and her posts on her, like on her personal Facebook got more likes than ours on the college page. And I was like, dang it. All right. Well, you know, go you. Thank you. Um, I'm glad I know you. Um, So yeah, just find those champions, look for radio stations or, or whatever it is that, people uh you know get their information from and yeah and so speaking of getting your message out and like tapping into maybe some new audiences this year was a little bit new for you guys um becoming snap authorized yes so for folks who um are maybe just figuring out what we're kind of chatting about farmers markets um, up at chandeska but then also um, SNAP. So the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, SNAP, some people referred to it or formerly known as food stamps. It's a USDA program that offers food assistance benefits to those folks who qualify, individuals and families with limited resources. Um, And it helps like, again, stretch food budgets throughout each month so they can purchase food. Um, to be able for a SNAP participant to be able to use their card, their dollars, those places where you can buy food have to become SNAP authorized. And that is a whole process. It's, you know, a federal application, all those big, scary words. Mm-hmm. Um, but Heidi and Jessica had ventured that trail with us this year. Yes, with um, you, definitely <laughs> And it was a process. It's a process, but it's also, it is, it's doable. We got there. Um, But so getting that message out to folks, SNAP participants who couldn't have used their SNAP dollars at your market, like last year or any previous year, because you weren't SNAP authorized. So if you could share a little bit about um, like what that process looked like, and then moving towards, um, you know, getting the word out to SNAP participants and how those, how those transactions or how those transactions kind of went for you um, during market season? Um, well, the process itself, I, I, I guess I just have a noise to represent it. And it was, 
Um, <laughs> so that would be my feelings <laughs> on the SNAP authorization process. Um, but no, it's fine. But and you see, it's fine. Really, it's, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. That's what we tell ourselves. It's fine. Everything's fine. Um, you're, you're just that dog sitting with a coffee cup with the flames around you. It's fine. It's fine. Um, no, anyways, so, but NGSU was super, super helpful with the training in January. You were fantastic. And then you had your, your helper, um, people, I won't call them min- minions, but like, you know, you're, you're, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, your helper, other NDSU staff who were, uh, would make site visits or chicken on us. Like so we had Gabe, um, Kranz Nelson with, uh, Oh, Benson County, or I guess Benson, I don't know, FNP yep. um, program. Yes. Good. I'm getting it sort of right. Um, You're right on. And she would check in on us and help us as well and answer questions or, or you know, um, point me to where I could find the information that you had already so thoughtfully provided and I just had forgotten. So <laughs> I'm just, I'm just teasing. It, it was all a learning process. And that's the thing too, is learning, learning along the way, learning together. Yes. Yes. So my interaction with the federal government. Um, so yes, the noise does not represent my interaction with NDSU. It is representative of the my feelings um, regarding the federal government for this process, um, because you know what, what could be quick and easy is uh, no, you fill in one extra box on the form, which it says you have to fill in, social security number for example. Um, and then, oh, that triggers, you have to also submit all this other information that it doesn't originally ask for on the form, but now you have to do that. And so then they kick your application back and then back and forth and back and forth. And then, oh, and then they want to know what, um, what products you sell. And you can't just say fruits and vegetables. You have to say like carrots, potatoes, onions. Um, so they'll ask you these follow-up questions sometimes. And it seemed like different people, sometimes you would, cause we were in this cohort group, right. Of different markets. And we were asked these questions, um, but not everybody was. So it was be prepared, I think, for the process, the emphasis on process, the long time frame. But um, if they respond to you, be aware that you only have, I believe, 30 days or they will kick you back and and you have to start all over. So um, they can take their time, but you cannot. (laughs) Is, is I think, where um, what we learned from this as well. Um, and I'm not, I used to work for government in, in an aspect and I, I can understand their side too, but, oh, you know, frustrating. Sometimes. Yeah, I Being know. And it, and it seems like, you know, you know, in our minds, it's like, all we want to do is accept SNAP as payment mm-hmm. for folks to be able to use their food dollars. And then, yes, we, we run into the obstacles, the paperwork, yes. the yes. emails, the phone calls, the wait, the wait time. Yes, it is. It is. It doesn't seem there's lots of things in life today that are so easy. They make it Mm -hmm. so easy to do certain things. Mm -hmm. And then other things, it's just not that easy. Yes. I think to myself, well, gee, if I were designing this form, I would have done this instead and not have that or put this direction. But then, you know, there's probably reasons why they didn't. I mean, the form would probably end up like 40 pages long if, Mm -hmm. you know, you could put every little direction on there that I would have. And, and maybe some of these conversations can lead into um, some more informed decision-making because accepting SNAP at farmer's markets Across the country, it has kind of like been a steady uptick, but yeah. specifically here in North Dakota, it's been a little bit of a slower motion forward. Mm. Um, and so, you know, maybe 
some of these rumblings, some of these conversations can then, you know, move things in the direction to which we want to see. Yeah. Um, And I, I should sort of backtrack and say like, just because it was a process, um, doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. It doesn't mean it's not a good thing. It doesn't mean you can't do it or that, you know, you'll automatically get denied. I think most, if not all of us in your, you know, your cohort kind of made it, we all got authorized, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it's doable. It's not impossible. It just was frustrating at times because, you know, we all have busy lives and have other things going on. And so then to go back and list out, oh, not just vegetables, but potatoes, carrots, onions. That did, I mean, you know, mm-hmm. I just, I got cranky, but for sure. But everyone should still do it. Accepting SNAP is important um, because because access to food is important. Mm-hmm. Um, healthy food, local food, food that puts you know dollars in um, pockets of of your neighbor, and then you get their potatoes and and they're delicious because they they're so fresh. Um, and and then the double up box, which I'm sure we'll talk about uh, later, if not right now. Yeah, um, let's do it right now. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> Thanks for the segue, Heidi. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um. So so do you want to talk about the double ups, or or you want me to? Why don't you take it? You take I'll it. Take it. I'll take it. All right, I'm taking it. Um. So double ups. Double up was like if you bought something with your SNAP dollars, your SNAP card, then you would get up to ten dollars in double up, um, like a, we, we use tokens, well, you had tokens, everybody had tokens, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Double up tokens that you would give out that then you could turn around and it was like free money, um, buy more veggies. And so we actually, I think Jessica, you, Jessica was my, like I said, my main lady and she would help people figure out how to like, even in one sitting, right. Maximize their snap dollars. Yeah. So what I, because a lot of people around here didn't, um, hadn't heard of the snap double up and, weren't really familiar and there are there are some pretty specific rules for the double up box you can only use them on minimally prepared fresh fruits and vegetables so where you can use your snap benefits on things like fresh salsa or bread you cannot use the double up on that so people would come up with their order and say i've got 50 dollars worth well okay spending 40 dollars anyway you're gonna get what you needed uh, to get your $10 token. So from there, what we can do is actually say, okay, so you're going to get $40 on your card. And then with that, you get these $10 tokens and that will cover this $10 of potatoes or pumpkins or whatever. So we were like, yeah, spend those immediately. Do it. Let's do this. We're going to, um, because it also with us, we, we only did a couple markets this fall because of various issues. And so, we, we wanted to, um, you know, not expect people to hang on to them necessarily until next year or something. Uh, so spend, you know, let's maximize that. Let's do it now. Let's get you as much fruits and vegetables and fresh things as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that was awesome uh, for them. They really liked it, right? Yeah, it was a fantastic. And it was a great way to explain how it worked, especially for those people that had never done it before. Like, oh, okay, I see this now. That, that makes sense. Okay, I get it. Uh, right. And that's so cool that Jessica, that you were there to be able to like provide that connection with people. Um, because lots of times that confusion, or you can have lots of apprehension around, I'm not sure how this works. I'm not sure what questions to ask. So having that person right there, I'm sure is what contributed to a lot of your success. Yes. Jessica, we had Jessica, she was like our snap lady. 
um, yeah. snap, you know, transaction person. And we had a whole table that was, she would do the credit cards or the snap. Um, and then the individual vendors would handle their cash or whatever. But um, we had Jessica with her table with like different flyers and information and like one person and I was telling him about the double ups um, and he, he was like, Oh, can I spend them anywhere? And I was like, no, not anywhere. Um, here is a, and I, we had a flyer with like all the markets on the back. Like these are the different markets. If you were to like go to biz market, right. And um, you know, you could spend it there. Um, but, but um, not like just out of the grocery store. No. Nope. So um, use them now would be our advice. And we, we worked to help them do that. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was very popular. We sold a lot of, how much did we end up selling in, in snap sales and things? Um, snap sales, we actually had between the two markets, uh, almost $130 of sales just for snap. Awesome. Um, we also, we did have quite a few people who held onto their tokens, but we had about $30 worth of double up mm. uh, come from that. And then um cash and credit card we probably had just for the booths that we were running another three hundred dollars yeah and then we just we had a few you know just a small market but i think uh a small market kind of popping up in the community with like a week or so notice really Mm -hmm. we got we got some good turnout and Mm -hmm. um really excited about the the snap sales we also went to the um we advertised in the blue building right the tribal building Yes. And um, where a lot of people will come in for like tribal business. And then also over at the social services where they actually do the snap applications. Um, mm-hmm. We put flyers and stuff there. So people would know um, and, and told the staff there too, like send them to our market. Like we're accepting snap now. Woohoo. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they, they could kind of talk it up to them as well and, and really access those people who, who can use their snap dollars. So Yeah, I know. I think that's so important. And I think, you know, from a vendor or a producer perspective, it's really nice because you open it up to folks who like maybe weren't even considering shopping at the market before, because like, if I'm using my EBT card, I know I've got a certain dollar amount. I'm typically, you know, knowing where I spend those dollars moving from, you know, buying my stuff at a grocery store, let's say in Devil's Lake, Mm-hmm. But then I'm going to try to do it at a farmer's market and, you know, having that open, welcoming, warm, you know, reception at a farmer's market and then being able to um, feel like you belong or you're part of the community in that way. Yeah. And then also knowing that those dollars, like you said, Heidi, would benefit those farmers that you're that you're buying from. And so, like, um, you know, it's a little bit of an empowerment approach and having people feel connected and belonging. I think, you know, when we talk about snap dollars and, you know, those kinds of things, it makes it feel a little bit transactional, mm-hmm. but, um, farmers markets are so cool because it's very relational and it, you know, in- incorporating the social piece to it. So it's, um, kind of works around some of those things. You talked about warm and welcoming, and I was just thinking about, you know, students are walking past the market into the college. I'm like, Hey, farmer's market. <laughs> so they're like, Oh, who's that crazy lady? But you know, they kind of, they kind of came over, I think. Um, so anyway, um, the ones that didn't run in the, right, exactly. Other- <laughs> exactly. If I didn't scare them too much, um, they, you know, my talk of tomatoes, tomatoes, like, no, um, <laughs> you like tomatoes. Anyway. Um, it was, it's good times though. 
you know? Yeah, for that. sure. It's not, you know, you don't get that at Walmart. You don't get, you don't get some crazy lady yelling tomatoes at you. Um, who doesn't want that? <laughs> I mean, they're just like visions happening right now. Like, mm-hmm. but what would that be like? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, don't I want that? Potatoes. No, I'm kidding. I don't, I don't yell at people like that. <laughs> oh, oh, I hope everybody out there in the podcast world is laughing as well. I um, know. Right? Or, or they're like, this lady's nuts. But that's mm, uh, no, okay. okay. a draw to the farmer's market. With yes. The person now, you two can come and see this yes. in person. <laughs> yes. I'll be famous. They'll want my autograph. Crazy lady right here. Oh, right. Sorry. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. No, um, another, another set grail. Yes, but that's fine. That's, I mean, we're we're having it. Yeah. Yeah. So I wanted to chat a little bit about the, the mobile piece of your guys's market. Mm -hmm. So most farmers markets are the side of the road in a parking lot, like with a canopy over top and you're set up in a park or something. Mm -hmm. You guys are mobile. And you mentioned, you know, visiting um, specific districts across the reservation, across the tribal nation. Um, Like, how does that work? And what, and so you mentioned the transportation. So like the why of a mobile farmer's market, and that makes a lot of sense, but talk a little bit about how you guys function that way. And like, you know, just anything about that. Cause it's, it's pretty novel actually. Thanks. We're so fancy. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, so the mobile part, like I said, um, it's really important to bring opportunities out to the people Um in, especially in areas where poverty is an issue, transportation can really be an issue. Um, a lot of people, gosh, you know, share vehicles, don't have their own vehicle, um, try to get rides from others and so on. Uh, so being able to bring the food out to them in a place where maybe they can just walk up to it or somewhere they were going anyway, like if it's to the mobile foot clinic um, or, or to take their kids to go play at the playground at the rec or something. Um, is, is really good. And the whys and hows, I mean, so that's the why the how, um, is, is really do, um, thankfully to our, our, I call them our small army of interns. Um, but we, we have, you know, different grants that help support us and they support, um, the interns, which get, uh, agricultural education and all the various hands-on things they do, but also in farmer's market and learning how to, you know, how to run a market. Um, they learn also about snap dollars and double ups and how to price things at a market. And like, if they were to ever be vendors themselves and our interns have, some of them have turned from just interns into well, interns and community gardeners. So they have that opportunity. And I think, I'm not sure we had some produce donated from some of our pro from our mm-hmm. community gardeners. Um, so that might've been come, some of it might've come from our interns, but um, anyway, so they, they get that kind of building knowledge, you know, knowledge that builds on itself um, and being part of that, the market as well. So we have, but we have canopies and tables that we provide um, again, that's grant funded. And, and we're very thankful for that. Um, USDA NIFA. Um, uh, <laughs> but mm-hmm. um, if I can give a shout out to them, but uh, they, we have an extension grant through them um, and part of that funds the farmer's markets. And so we have, we provide the canopies and the tables and chairs. Um, there's no charge to be a part of our market. Again, it's just that because we're in a low income area, we're trying to help people get into um, doing that kind of small business thing, like a mm-hmm. farmer's market. 
Um, and so adding costs, like, you know, you have to provide your own canopy and tables and chairs and also pay us a fee and blah, blah. I mean, it can be a barrier. Mm-hmm, um, for sure. So we wanted to get rid of those barriers. So we, we provide that. We, um, we call and recruit vendors beforehand. So we have an idea of how many we haul the stuff out there. Um, our interns will set it up. And um, we have a hotspot or whatever you would call it, right? Hotspot for the, mm-hmm. the credit card, you know, snap machine thing for us to be mobile. Um, mm-hmm. And it's not the easiest thing to do for sure, but I think important, um, worthwhile. And we've, we've enjoyed it so far. And I think bringing it out to different areas too, we get people who, who maybe don't necessarily drive by Fort Totten, but they do drive by the rack in St. Michael or something. And so then they'll go, Oh, Hey, what's that? I'm going to go stop in. We have a big banner, you know, like Woo, farmer's market here that we try to put out, you know, in a conspicuous area, um, to help people, you know, see what's going on and stop by. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's very cool. I really do. The mobile aspect of it is very intriguing for me. So it's kind of, you know, being from Bismarck and we just set up and we're, we're stuck yeah. we're, we just stop there. You start and stop there. Um, but yeah, I think that's so interesting. And it's also, you know, I'm sure it would be interesting, you know, be able, being able to like create relationship with, you know, more community members, because clearly you're doing it to, to reach more folks. Um, so yeah, that's very cool. I do have one. Thank you. And I do have one like asterisk on the mobile aspect. Should somebody else be considering that for themselves? Uh-huh. And yeah, let's hear it. Hopefully, uh, no feds are listening to this or if they are, they will plug their ears right now. Um, and this won't matter to them anyway. I did put it on my application, so you can't say it's not on there. Um, <laughs> but you have to have a specific physical location for your market when you are applying for the SNAP thing, SNAP op- step authorization, be specific, Heidi. So when you're applying for SNAP authorization, you have to put a specific location. And then there's a note section where I said, but we are a mobile market. We also operate at these locations. So, um, be aware of that. If you're considering being mobile, that you are supposed to have one specific location that you're authorized for, but I did put that on my application. Nobody asked me any questions about it. I'm saying we're good. (laughs) I know. It was on there. So, um, but but that's one little, little, you know, asterisk caveat, something to just think about. Mm -hmm. Um, if you feel comfortable just putting a note and saying you're good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. And, but that's, you know, if even for other farmers markets, like sometimes they have different like set locations, maybe they aren't mobile, yeah. but they have like two, like they're in one place on Saturday and one place on Wednesday or something. Oh, so, sure. so, right. But having that, you know, disclosed and then yes. allowing, you know, the people who make decisions to figure all that out. Yeah, exactly. I I'm just letting them figure that out, but disclosing yes. is important. So be, be sure to disclose all of your, your nuances. Yeah. Yeah. So knowing the last couple of years, you know, we can talk at length about all of the challenges over the last couple of years. So let's, let's shift it a little bit to maybe next year or the year after. So what do you guys see for the Spirit Lake mobile farmers market next year and in the following years? Uh, Well, the future is exciting and daunting and scary and exciting again. Um, so (laughs) I mostly exciting. We'll go with that. So, uh, for the future, we want to expand our community garden even more. Um, we are talking about 
the college leasing additional land um, for a larger space. And then of course that takes grant money to help with the setup and everything because we don't have, um, we're not generating millions on our, not that it would take millions, but you know, we're not generating a lot of dollars on our own. Um, so, <laughs> but it's good stuff for the community. So it'll be a process, but we hope to expand the community garden. Oh, there's that word process again. So not just for the government, but for us to Yes, we all, we all participate in that. Um, more tilling, you know, garden tilling program um, participants, more um, seed and seedling uh, providing and so on. Um, so that we expand our participants in those programs that then, you know, is the base for our vendors, for our farmer's market to, to build it bigger, more vendors. Um, we had a few, not large by any means, but it's a, it's a process. It is. Um, it is. And if you, and if you could all see Heidi right now, she's building with her arms and her hands, mm -hmm. she's building it up. So she's willing it. Yes. I, I would have said wildly gesticulating, but you building, building it is much better. Yes. Um, so, so that building it up is good. Um, we also have plans to renovate our, our physical location here at the college to turn a classroom into a commercial kitchen space. Um, that is approved again, USDA NIPA. Um, so that, that can be both a teaching space, but also a place that people can borrow kind of rent, but I don't even know if we'll even charge, you know, really again, low income and helping and supporting the community, um, to make those value added products that they can sell at the farmer's market. That Woo! is so exciting. Yes, I'm excited. I mean, again, and that is honestly like one, that is a big gap in a lot of communities is to have that space for folks to, and for, you know, a commercial kitchen space allows individual producers um, to make products that can be sold outside of the home and into yes. businesses and restaurants. And yes. yes, so it really is like a, like a business economical thing. So thing. that's so exciting. Yeah. We're I'm, like, I have goosebumps right now. Just thinking about yes. it, like talking about it. Woo, goosebumps. Yes. Um, so that's very exciting. And then Jessica. So I also have a pet project with our farmer's market because one of the things that the college does right now is in the spring, we provide seeds and seedlings um, for a small fee and seeds and seedlings are SNAP eligible products. Yes. Which means that we can be promoting that to the people in our community to say, look, you can spend a dollar of your SNAP money to buy this tomato plant and that tomato plant is going to produce you, I think it's like 15 pounds of tomatoes on average. So for a dollar and a little work, you're getting 15 pounds of tomatoes. And also because the double up program is continuing next year, when you buy $10 worth of vegetables, you're banking $10 to later buy vegetables when you need something you didn't grow. Yeah. I really like how you're putting that together, Jessica. That's so exciting. And I really like, you know, having those conversation with folks because like, it just makes so much sense. And it, the, the, like you mentioned, Heidi, lots of barriers in a lot of this work. And so when we can work proactively, like you guys do such an amazing job to remove some of those barriers, make it a little bit more convenient for folks who are starting out or just mm -hmm. figuring out how to maybe like add some income or create right. a business or expand something. So mm -hmm. that's, oh, that's so exciting. Oh, thanks. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's, it's, 
buy this tomato for a tomato plant. I mean, for a dollar with your snap dollars. Oh, and come to our gardening workshop. Oh, and then our food preservation workshops in the fall. And, but you know, we, it's a whole full service thing we got going. Right. Right. It really, yeah. It takes them through the whole spectrum. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a thing. We're, we're we're happy. We're proud of it. We work hard. Right. You guys do. It is a thing. Yeah. You guys work so hard. Oh, thank you. Yes. Yeah. Little heart, little well, heart right now. I know hearts all around. <laughs> um, well, we can wrap things up a little bit. I do sincerely appreciate your guys's time. I think that it's so great your stories to share. I really hope it's far-reaching. Is there anything else you want to leave us with? Anything else that we didn't cover that you want to make sure that everybody hears? Gosh, oh, I do Jessica. have one thing. Um, shout out to NDSU because one of the things that Gabe provided us with was these great just little cards about how to preserve vegetables and so we had those all set out on a table and I had several people going through going you can freeze grapes you can can potatoes like they had no idea you could save these things for later and Mm -hmm. that was such a good draw um, to, for them to then go, okay, well, if I could freeze these, I can buy a pound and I'll just freeze them for later. Mm-hmm. So that was huge too. Yeah. yeah. And that's awesome. Food Crazy. nutrition program mm-hmm. in the house. Woo. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yes. We can definitely end on that note. That's yeah. perfect. That's I'm so job. glad. I'm so but, glad. And, and thank you. Thank you for inviting us. Yeah. Yes. Excellent. Thanks for listening to Thriving on the Prairie. To subscribe to the podcast and access a full transcript and resource links from this episode, visit www.ag.ndsu.edu slash thriving on the prairie. You can find more resources for families and communities on Extension's website, ndsu.edu slash extension. This has been a production of NDSU Extension, extending knowledge, changing lives.